Hey everybody, welcome to the Etcetera Show. Um, I got, as always, my co-host Paul Yanchek with me. Paul, how's it going? On a scale of one to ten, I'm somewhere in that range. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll have to figure out where exactly is that or where we're at on that. And uh, Joe Frost will be joining us shortly. He's um, away right now, but we got guests. It's always fun to have guests on the show. Uh, Tyler Seipel. I, I got that right. Fantastic. Uh, Tyler's from Central Ohio. Um, lots of fun stuff in his acting career. I wanted to talk to him about uh, he was on Jeopardy, and, and we're excited to talk to him about Jeopardy. I, we're, we're nerdy game show fans, so we're looking forward to that. So, Tyler, welcome. How are you Thank tonight? You. I'm doing great. Thank you. It's, it's good to be talking to you. Fantastic. Well, hey, we're the Ohioan. We talk a lot of pop culture, but yeah, you're from Central Ohio. Uh, give us some information. I, we hear you're 37. Where'd you grow up at in Central Ohio? Where'd you go to high school at? I, I hear you went to high state. Fill us in your background a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I grew up in like the northwest suburb corner of mm -hmm. Columbus, but I was in that pocket. Like there are many of these around Columbus where you've got like uh, Dublin mailing address. I go to Worthington schools. We got Powell city services. So I was yeah. kind of in this, like confluence up there in that Northwest corner. Okay. Um, and I really identified with that area. Um, and went to Ohio. Well, I went to uh, Worthington Kilbourne high school, went from there to, um, uh, Ohio state where I got a, 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 two BAs, one in history and one in theater. And, uh, at that point, uh, California called with an offer for grad school and, and that's where I've been ever since. Fantastic. For some of those who may remember you, when did you graduate from Kilbourne in Ohio State? Graduated from Kilbourne in 2002 and I graduated from Ohio State in 2006. Fantastic. And you're in California now. We hear you're in LA. It's nice out there tonight, which I'm excited yes. by. I, I, I always get. Uh, I talked to somebody from California recently, and it was a winter here. And I'm like, how hot is it out there? And they're like, we're chilly. It's like 70. I'm looking outside. There's 10 feet of snow outside. I'm like, come on. This is horrible. But no, yeah, it sounds yeah. like the weather's great. Um, so what kind yeah. of interest in acting? Because we're, we're going to talk about Jeopardy, but you're out there to be actor. I know you have a side job that you do right now. But, you know, you, you took theater in Ohio State. But, you know, there's a jump from just taking theater to saying, hey, I'm headed mm -hmm. to California. I'm going to make a run for it. So what got you interested in acting? Um, I, I, my grandmother, who um, oh. actually lived nearby in, uh, in Murfield when I was growing up, and she, um, she had done theater. And so when I expressed an interest in kind of joining her, and she expressed an interest in, 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 I wanted to join the family business in a way. And so I, uh, uh, she encouraged me to go see my first plays down at the um, uh, Columbus Children's Theater, where I saw okay. all my first plays. Um, at the Rife Center, we went down there and saw stuff. Uh, so I remember like growing up, I had a lot of theater experience. Then in high school, I just decided to join in. And I started like uh, auditioning at Worthington Kilbourne and uh, really, really enjoyed it. But then I went to college thinking, well, okay, I'll do, I'll do history and I'll do theater. They're both things that interest me. I don't know which one is going to actually, you know, pay my way. Joke is neither one. Um, but still, <laughs> it was an ambition to have two two strategies. And then, as the more I did theater, the more I realized I really I liked that path I was making for myself in theater. History I really enjoyed, but it was is going to be reading and writing and teaching, uh, and that would pretty much be it. Whereas theater, I'd have a chance to actually act or apply these skills to teaching if that interested me uh, or create my own work or 
go to New York or go to LA. So I just, there was a path open to me by theater that I didn't see anywhere else. Uh, All right. I think we lost Tyler there for a second. So um, again, in case you're just tuning in, uh, Tyler Seipel, he's an actor from Central Ohio. Um, he lives in California now. So we're talking to him about his acting career as well as his, um, um, you know, just some of the other fun stuff he's doing. Paul, he was on Jeopardy last week. I'm excited yeah. to talk to him about that as well. I, I figured as a smart guy from who went to Ohio State, I was going to ask, oh, the quarterback situation. But Paul, Tyler, well, I mean, Tyler, <laughs> Paul's obsessed. I mean, uh, he's from Ohio. He lives in Pittsburgh, and he thinks Ohio State's quarterbacks aren't that great. Are, are you are you a football fan of the, the Buc- When they get to the NFL. Yeah, yeah. I, I was not a football fan going into college, and then when you go to Ohio okay. State, you're a football fan. Right. Um, but I would say in the past couple of years that as I've gotten further away from Ohio State, and then, uh, then this past year has been taken up by having a baby. Um, yeah. I have not followed right. nearly as much as I used to. So this year I've actually just kind of like – I've tuned out. Uh, it was one one channel too many in my brain. So I'm I'm sadly pied. But luckily, my family keeps track. So if I ever need to okay. get an opinion, you just let me know, and I'll go talk and come back with uh, what survey says. Yeah, it's amazing working here in the media in Columbus. Columbus still cares about Ohio State. You know, we keep thinking, oh, they still care, concern themselves, but Ohio State's still popular down here. So. Yeah. yeah, very good. Uh, you were talking uh, about your theater and just kind of getting your feet wet in theater and everything else. How do you I, – I know some other people have taken that step into professional theater, not just in, like, New York or locally, but, you know, going to California, going to TV and the movies. What was your thought to say, hey, this could work out? Like, was there a day that happened? Was somebody like, man, you could really make it here? What kind of gave you the assurance to say, hey, I'm going to make that leap. I'm headed to California. You know, the the move to California, I, I went to um, UC Irvine for grad school. And that mm-hmm. was one where that program was all paid for. Um, I really liked the faculty. It just felt like a really solid fit. And I wasn't going to, like, incur a lot of debt. That was Pluses all around. And it was, a, it was it's a solid, solid program. They do a lot of yeah. work. They pay for a showcase in New York and L.A. at the end of our three years. So there was just it was a, a solid investment. So I went there. No brainer. And then it got to the end. And I started like, you know, a couple of times we'd be driving up to L.A. just to start scoping it out. And I don't know. <laughs> the comparison actually came to me that like L.A. felt way more like columbus to me in some ways in that like columbus was never short on opportunity but columbus didn't really ever hand me anything ohio state is a giant school right. they have tons of opportunity but they don't hand you anything right you know, I, had, I had applied and gotten into like dartmouth and cornell which would put me on very specific tracks but it made me feel like once i was there i was i was there and this this theme keeps coming up of i just wanted a little bit more freedom around me and that's what ohio state gave me and that's what la felt so kind of when i got there and i started looking around and thinking, I could do this. I could cool. be in this city because I've been equipped to do this. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And it definitely has been like, uh, I keep working day by day by day, but I've always felt like LA, um, it suits my spirit. I can I can set my eyes on goals and achieve them here. And again, nothing against New York, but I just never had quite the same vision there. Okay. I, what was the first thing you got involved in once you hit California? We, we've seen your resume. Obviously, you've been a lot of different types of things. What was your first like TV gig? 
would you say? Uh, my first, first, my first TV gig was a pilot that got produced in the middle of the desert that has, I don't think has ever seen the light of day. Okay. Uh, wow. I don't even know if I'll say the name of it. Cause I don't even know if I even remember. It's funny enough. The first movie I got like right after grad school finished was shot in Columbus and Toledo. Um, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so I just finished grad school. I'm in California. I'm really excited. And then some of my buddies from back home are like, we actually got a production company together and put together a movie uh, called Separation Anxiety. So I flew back home and shot a movie for about uh, two weeks in Columbus and Toledo. And that was amazing. It was a really good film. It was really well done. It was shot like, you know, um, as a, a union set. It was just really, really exciting to have that be my first taste. Because then I went back to California and thought, yeah, I can do this. I can, that, that gave me that burst of confidence that I can be on a set and I can work. Um, the, the next couple of films I did were smaller, uh, one called uh, Traveling Salesman. Again, really small, really mobile. Um, uh, and, and then the TV has been a little bit of a slower entry for me, but it's something that I, I've always wanted to just keep plugging away at. And so I'm, I'm yeah. you know, working my way up through the, through the co-star roles and I'm, I'm hoping uh, I got some more stuff coming up, which I'll be able to publicize soon. So. <laughs> Was it interesting? And this is kind of a funny thing. Uh, Paul and I, uh, we, we would watch movies from time to time. And Paul's like, you got to see this movie. I don't know if you ever heard of the movie Birdemic. It's been rated like one of the silliest, goofiest, poorly done movies of all time. It was like a pandemic of birds are attacking. The the quality of Five production birds. was... Yeah, it, it was it was almost like paper birds. Like the quality was very poor. I mean, it wasn't you know like a major movie at all. And it was funny. We actually had the uh, co-star on once, and she was talking about how different it is when you first get in the movies. It's almost like you're answering a Craigslist ad. You know, it's not anything professional. Sometimes it's kind of goofy. She was telling us stories about how the director was kind of. Uh, Creepy, maybe is the best word for it, and everything. Did you get that feeling when you started to do movies like that? And it didn't sound like your buddies gave you that experience, but is it hard when you first crack into the business with stuff like that? Or maybe did our friend just have a bad experience? It's, I mean, I think the thing to think about movies is it's like any other business, really. Yeah. In the sense of like, you know, the, the entry level stuff can sometimes be real sketchy you're never quite sure if you're going to make it and of course we all want to get it up to like the corporate level you're getting into the studio stuff with good financing and really firm structure and then you got everything in between and for a lot of people you know being a co-star or being um someone who is a day player and acting is like having that sort of entry-level job you, you show up you do it you go home and you can make a living doing that if, if you keep pursuing oh, those yeah. opportunities to get to that level of being C-list, B-list, A-list, you're looking at like climbing management. You got to stick around. You got to put in the time. You got to uh, make sure you're talking to the right people and finding the right connections. So it's not like it's that different from other jobs. It's just most people now get to see where you are because your job is going to be broadcast on a television right. or a movie screen. Uh, but I, it's, I felt like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff I did at the entry level that was like responding to Craigslist or uh, some of the lower profile posting sites and just going you know what, it's got a paycheck and I want to build some street cred. I want to get something on my resume, so I'll do it. And then you get to a certain point for me where I go, well, now I want to really, I want to, I want to try to climb the ladder, the, that, that ladder and get material that looks good and I can put in a reel and I can show off. Um, and so that's the stuff that I'm aiming for more now because I'm, I'm, I'm right. getting to a point where I want to leave the, the Craigslist stuff behind. Oh, of course. And, and what was that first role that you're like, wow, you know, hey, things are definitely looking up. Uh, what was that for you? Hmm. I, you know, it was the one that really got me going recently was um, 
I, I was on a Petty Dreadful City of Angels. Yeah. And that was one where um, it, it was a small part, couple of lines, but we also had to like sing and we had to sing in German because I was playing part of the, the German-American Bund. And uh, that, that's something where I've, I've also had an interest in languages and accents coming up through this. So that got to be put into play. And then I got to be featured on screen with actors I recognize and it was sort of this yeah. experience. Oh, oh, this is what it adds up to. Keep putting in this work, keep touching in with what are my skills and what am I good at? And that's the stuff that begins to make it seem, this is totally something in my, my wheelhouse that I, I will be able to do. And then since then, I've had a few more projects that have um, tapped into those skills and been getting bigger and bigger uh, budgets attached to them, which then will make my ability to publicize myself even better. So I just feel like that, that can begin that process of accumulating. And it sounds like you got friends and family still that are in the Central Ohio area. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, all of my family is still in the Central Ohio area. Cool. Yeah. So what's it like? I mean, I'm sure your family supports you. And if you say, hey, check out this movie, even if it's a movie you've never heard of before, they want to see you. So, you know, they want to check you out and everything. But what's it like when you start doing shows like Pain Dreadful that your family may watch anyway? And they're like, oh, wow, Tyler's in a show that, you know, I may enjoy anyway. I mean, how exciting is that to see that? It's got, it's got mean, a really, it kind of a little thrill to you, or yeah, it's got a really big payoff to it when you can go. Oh, actually, you've heard of this one, or you know, yeah. on this day, I'll just tell you which day it's on. As opposed to okay, to find the show, you need to go online, you need to research this, you need to click this link. It's no, I can just tell you, find it's going to be on Showtime. You can find it. Cool. Um, that's of course makes mom you know, infinitely proud, and and dad as well. Cool. Dad loves it too because it's a chance to actually say, hey, again, same thing to their friends. They can go. Here's the link. Here's the thing. You can just find it. Again, I don't have to like buy you an, an obscure DVD from Thailand to get this proof that my son has been in a movie. So well, I think that feels really good. And we've talked about this before, too. We were talking about, um, yeah, Colin Jost. We are making fun of uh, him being married to Scott Johansson. What's it like to be married to a famous actor or actress? What's it like? Do you like watching your own stuff? Like, even if you're in a couple lines, I sometimes it's hard for me to even listen back to my own podcast because I'm like, oh, my voice sounds weird and everything. I, I, I don't think you're watching the same scene over and over again that you're in, but do, do you enjoy doing that? It's, I mean, it's really interesting because overall, I don't enjoy it, I don't seek it out. I'm not going to like put my own movie on if I've been in it. Um, but I will say that uh, there was a move in LA towards. Uh, self-taping for auditions it's easier it's cheaper okay. everyone can watch it at home the casting directors can pick you out from their own computer not having to go into an office and then the pandemic everybody like everybody moved online for casting so now yeah. anything i get for an audition these days is all about tape yourself and so i have to end up now you know taking a couple of takes of myself and watching all of them and finding the one that like okay this is my my better work uh, I'm, I'm not always thrilled about it, but it's part of the job. And so I actually feel that like that, that, that one aspect of how the pandemic in, uh, impacted the industry definitely changed that for me. So I, I feel I could say now after this past 18 months, two years, I feel a lot more comfortable watching my work. Um, though I did find it hard to watch Jeopardy just because that was, you know, had a lot riding on it. So that was, oh, yeah. I couldn't quite bring myself <laughs> to watch the whole thing. Well, we're excited to get to Jeopardy. We'll, we'll get, we'll, we'll get there shortly. Um, <laughs> The other thing I was thinking is like now, especially in the past couple of years, I mean, you've got Netflix, you got Hulu, you got Paramount Plus, Peacock, and everybody is not just airing old reruns of stuff. They want to produce their own content. Yeah. How is that? Because obviously it's a competitive field. Yeah. You're over there, you've got a job, but you, you want all these roles. You're competing against a lot of other people. Does it make it a little bit easier because there's a lot more people wanting to produce their own content now? Uh, I 
it's always funny because like if you ever if you ever tap in with the actor community or even the, the the general artist community in LA, there's always someone who's going, oh man, now that the industry's changing, there's just not going to be as much work. Oh, all the A-listers are now doing TV. We're all screwed. We're not going to be able to get anything. Uh, but the, the truth is that every time there's like a paradigm shift like this, usually there's just an explosion of content. And, and that's yeah. what's happened to streamers. So I don't think there's any shortage of jobs. Um, oh, yeah. Yes, there's more competition for the same level of content now, but there's a lot out there that can be done and people are always wanting to create their own stuff. So the more that you are, again, like any other job, being someone that people want to work with uh, because you're maybe more than just an actor who shows up and does acting things, but you're a, a human being who is kind and has interests and just happens to be pretty good at this, this one job. Uh, that That's the stuff that builds connections and then helps us get connected into all this new content that's it's happening all the time. Oh, yeah. And I can see more of that happening. I mean, you see more streaming services. And I, I you know, our, our joke around where I work at, you know, we have a subscription service, you know, by the local Columbus Dispatch. I always wonder, man, if we can attach streaming video to it, maybe we'll produce our own content. I'm not sure if that'll happen. I won't play ideas in people's mind, but you never know. It, it should be interesting. Um, yeah. Um, uh, Paul, uh, do you have a question right now? I, I didn't want to yeah, monopolize too much. You had mentioned just you know being able to share some of these projects with your parents and family. And did you have that moment with your parents when they kind of sat you down, like you know, no, really, what what do you want to do with your life? What was there kind of the talk of that's a nice th- hobby, but what's what's was there that conversation at some point? I think there's I think there's a blessing and a curse in the way that I was brought up in that my parents really um, encouraged me and then saw that through that encouragement, I could be good at a lot of stuff. I mean, I was I was taking like all the APs in high school and having a hard time deciding, oh, I really like um, uh, calculus. This is actually kind of something enjoyable. And I really like AP European history. And this is enjoyable. And I love theater and I've loved it for a while. And so there's this there's the blessing of like they have confidence that I'll undertake things and, and I'll do pretty well. But then there's also the the curse of like, so what are you doing and how are you doing it? Um, so I, I think I've been really blessed with their confidence that I will find a way, I'll figure things out and, and I do and I come up with some pretty cool uh, opportunities that I found along the way. Uh, but I think there's also, there's been some some uh, worry that you know maybe one path has been a bit of a dead end at times or uh, how are you earning money right now actually? And I've, <laughs> so again, I've benefited from the confidence. I've also felt the worry, but luckily it always, it always falls to the side of like having faith in, in what I can do and uh, and then the ways they brought me up to be um, strong in that regard. The other thing I want to ask about acting before we got to Jeopardy, um, I was looking for your resume and I'm, I'm here or miss on some TV shows, but I wanted to see like which show maybe I watched the most of. And that one was actually Lucifer, which was kind of an interesting show. Um, what did you do in Lucifer? Did you make like a guest appearance? I, I, had, a, I had a moment. I play, I play piano. And so uh, they, okay. they had an audition where they asked you to play piano and then they would call you. Uh, the, the, they really just picked me from that footage. And I just, there was one scene where I had to play a piano as Lucifer was coming in and out of bar. So you barely saw me, but it was a really awesome scene and it looked really good. So I'm yeah. really yeah, I got it. Um, and, and again, it was like one of those things of like, oh, yeah, nine, ten years of piano lessons had another application that had nothing to do with being a concert pianist. That's pretty awesome. I'm, I'm glad that there was something that um, I really felt good about in that. 
it, it was such an intriguing show because it kind of played off the premise of, you know, hey, Lucifer took a vacation, he went to Earth and did his thing. And, you know, some people question it, you know, saying, oh, why didn't I talk about Lucifer? But in essence, it was almost like a C.S. Lewis, you know, like allegory or, or whatever the case right, might be. Right, right. How did it feel to be in the scene where, like, you know, Satan's running around? I mean, it, it was an interesting, uh, very interesting TV show. Did it kind of make you think for a bit, go, wow, this is kind of strange? Or it was, we, we shot like, we shot that day at a, an outdoor patio of a restaurant on the beach in Malibu. And yeah. it was, so it was, it was that, that episode was all about, like, here he is in LA and here's LA, everybody. And it was so it was yeah. more about, like, uh, we're, were here and there was like just all these um, um, uh, background actors moving around. So it just felt sort of like, Oh, I'm, I'm stepping into a real restaurant. And oh, oh, and here comes, here comes Lucifer and he passes by and we, we had a little chat and it was really, really cool. But it was just one of those things of more of the experience was surreal of being in this place and seeing what that show did. Um, and it just, it, it really came alive in a way that I was kind of like, Oh, this is not what I was expecting at all. And yet at the same time, yeah shocking and just as uh, cool to be on. I always wonder, like, if you do any type of movies based on faith or anything, like, what's it like if you play a scene with God? You know, like, someone playing yeah. God or Lucifer or something. I mean, obviously, as an actor, you gotta stay focused, you gotta stay professional, but some be like, wow, this is kind of strange. I don't know. I've always thought that and way. It, it's, it's also just the way, they, the, the way they set everything up, though, and especially in, like, the vibe of that show was, but then when you see him, he's just a really slick guy in a suit who yeah, is, is, yeah. is really funny, and then when you're on set, that's exactly who he is, and so you'd be forgiven okay. for not knowing Oh yeah, that was that was Satan. How cool! Uh, <laughs> awesome, fascinating. Um, well, let's talk about. Can, can we do the breaking oh. news here? That have have you or have you not gotten a call from Kevin Feige to join the MCU? Is that has that happened oh. yet? Or? Oh no, it hasn't happened yet. But you know, I, I'm always ready because at this point, you know, what another 47 movies in the pipeline? One of them's got to be mine. Yeah. It has to be. Oh yeah. Well, of course, that's what Marvel would want you to say, that you haven't been called. So. Right, right. All right, all right, all right. Well, I'll just let you wonder then. I'll, we'll put that out there. <laughs> we'll hear a week from now. You'll be like, well, I knew it for months. We're like, hey, you didn't tell us. What's going on? What's up with that? Well, hey, I, I got to ask about Jeopardy because I'm excited because I, I got to say, I wasn't a lifelong Jeopardy fan, but I started writing about it um, when uh, Matt Modio from Madonna has big run. But before we get to Matt, I mean, I want to ask about your experience because, man, I, I would love to be on Jeopardy. Are, are you, like, have you been a lifelong fan of Jeopardy? What got you interested in trying out and going on the show? I mean, first of all, it's one of those things that I always. Okay, when it came out as like one of the earliest computer games my dad ever bought on our like mm -hmm. our initial like MS DOS system, I just thought it was a fun thing you could play around on. It had like you know only about you know a hundred questions total on it, and I I memorized all the answers. Like oh, oh yeah, rated Jeopardy I'm like eight, and then then like we got the NES, we got the Super NES, and each time there'd be a Jeopardy game, and I'd always want to buy that one and play it. And each time the game got harder and harder because there's more memory. I kept thinking oh, I'd be really good, so eventually I actually started watching the show and trying to play along. And it was just one of those things where I was actually getting more right than most people around me. So then it became a thing. You should try out. It'd be great. And again, my interests in high school were wide ranging. My interests in college were wide ranging. And so it just seemed like that was the sort of game that I was really suited to. And, uh, you know, flash forward to the, the internet being a widely accepted thing. And the Jeopardy test is something you can do online. Mm. Um, and as soon as that became an option, I started, I started taking it uh, just to see and just you know, also kind of to test myself because, you know, you can take it. There's no secrets here. 50 questions, just kind of mm -hmm. like 
at a certain time, they just all pop up and you got to go through them. And so I just try to test myself and say, does this some, is this something I could do? Does it fit my skills? Um, and I guess, I don't know how many years ago I got my first invite to an actual second audition. And then I went, Oh, oh okay. Oh shoot. Like they actually read these and like, I'm actually, <laughs> I'm actually registering. So uh, that was back when they were still having like in-person auditions. And I went uh, to a hotel and it was, you get to play like a little mock game and you get to, to meet them. Um, and it's great. It was just a great experience. Didn't lead to anything. Um, so I kept taking the test, kept taking the test and just thinking, you know, I, again, I'm not like, I'm not hardcore into yeah. Jeopardy. I, I really enjoy it and I really enjoy watching it. Uh, but then during COVID, uh, you know, I took it again and then they, they arranged another round of auditions on, uh, online. And so that was when I, uh, heard back that I would probably be getting on this season and, uh, oh, lo and behold, the call came and there, there I was. Did they, like when you went to the auditions, I'm sure like, I think Alex Trebek was alive, right? When yes. Uh, at least for the, bring him out or yeah. no, he was, yeah, he was still alive for both rounds of my auditions. Yeah. Okay. He, well, he did not, he did not show up. No, this was all okay. the, the production team, which I will say right here, their production staff is um, amazing because mm -hmm. they're cycling through the auditions of hundreds of, if you know, thousands of people, and then they get people on set and they just keep us moving and they make sure we're, we're comfortable. They make sure we're happy. They keep our spirits up. I mean, they're an incredible crew. And I think they do a really, really um, amazing job uh, on that show. I mean, everything you see on that show that actually works and it, it works really well for most of us all the time is because yeah. I think the people behind the scenes make it absolutely what it is. And you're well versed in acting, so you're not like you know you. I'm sure you weren't like, oh my gosh, I'm at a TV studio because you've been there, done that. But is it weird after watching it, like your life being in the Jeopardy studio? It had to be kind of a weird, surreal. Wow, this is I'm here. This is kind of strange. It's definitely one of those moments because that's one of those things you you know I've seen go through multiple iterations on TV, and I've I've again I've played I've played video games of this. I've seen the reconstruction oh, yeah. of it in pixels. I've seen the SNL sketch <laughs> sketches. Yeah, like, yeah. I've seen mock-up of it and then you finally get into the real thing and you go oh and this is what it means to be on jeopardy is to actually be in that room and look at it and it's it's an impressive place it i mean it it, it looks really nice it holds together really well and it, it looks exactly like it does on tv because they're just shooting it with a couple of cameras so um it wasn't intimidating in the sense that it was a set but it was that sense of being in that room where so many of us have tuned in, you know, at seven o'clock uh, every night and just saying like, Oh, I'm, I'm actually here for this purpose. Now, something that not many people know. Um, I used to think when I was a little kid going, wow, they're taping this live. I mean, this is live at night. Everyone's there, but obviously they tape these much earlier. So if I remember right, I think your show aired last Thursday. Yeah. Okay. How long ago did you tape that? End of August. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And it, are they taping like what? Five, six of these a day? Five. Yeah. Five a day. There, there's wow. been, they say that there are times when they don't, but their goal, I think, is to, to get a week's worth done in a day. Yeah. Wow. That's kind of yeah. crazy. And do they make you change clothes? Like, I know you were a competitor in one show. So, say you would have won, are they like, because you know, you probably can't wear the same shirt then because. On Friday, be like, "Wow, does he have?" I mean, are you changing clothes each time? Like, do they? Yeah, say yeah. You, you, you know, every contestant is supposed to bring a uh, couple of changes of clothes because you never know. You okay. never know what's going to be, and so um, you, bringing clothes that are also sort of like you know, oh, you can wear this shirt again, but if you put a sweater over it, no one will recognize. So, like, you're bringing things that will uh, be kind of modular in focus. Um, and so, my wife and I spent, I think, far too much time trying to pick out as many pieces as we could, and we got there. Oh, and yeah. That that that. 
And the other 17 can go back in the bag. Okay. All right. That's great. Well, because you never know. I mean, you all look good. You don't want people to say, hey, why is he wearing you know, green yeah. or whatever? So um, it had to be different. And obviously, you know, it's sad to see that Alex Trebek's no longer with us. But, yeah. you know, you've been, they've been through different guest hosts. And as an actor, it must have been kind of cool to see a fellow actress being the guest host. Um, Mayim Balik was that. Um, what was it like? Did you get to meet her? Um, I don't know if she knew you because I, I obviously you guys are on the exact same stuff. But what was it like meeting her and getting to know her a little bit? She's super cool. I mean, it was, it was it, a little bit of the shame. I mean, there's a couple of things that were just odd about this period in Jeopardy history. But one of them really was the um, the, the COVID experience was yeah. that we were all, you know, uh, spaced out, all wearing masks when we weren't actually on camera. And even with uh, with uh, Mayan being on stage, she was pretty far away most of the time. So it was yeah. one of those experiences that, man, I, you know, I wish had we had Alex with us or had we even had just right. Mayan, but like not been in COVID, there might have been uh, a little bit more proximity. But I'm glad that they were that safe. And it was it was really fun to just be on set with with her because you can see how, you know, well, again, I don't want to ruin any surprises for anyone, but the show is not again, live, nor is it all like one continuous take. They do do some some really, really good work around making it both continuous, but also clean. And so just getting to see how she was, she's really, she was really quick on her feet. She's really smart. She's able mm-hmm. to like take any notes that they have for her and just like run with it, which for me as an actor is like, that's that's impressive, especially on oh, yeah. stage of Jeopardies, where you know that everyone's gonna be watching this and, and you got a couple of takes to kind of find that groove. And she was, I mean, she's a natural. I'm so happy for her to be there because she really does um, a really, really good job. Yeah, and we're part of the USA Today Network and actually USA Today recently interviewed mine where she's like, hey, you know, I'd love to be the permanent host if I can. I, you think she'd do a good job? Sounds like you're impressed yeah. with how she I, came out. I think, they made, I think they've made absolutely the right choice. She She's just so well suited for it. And again, it really is just seeing how she handles the job. And this is the thing is I think you, you could feel that in the studio, there is still this feeling of trying to get used to it. When you get a new host, when you had Alex Trebek for decades, that thing was a well-oiled machine. And to have a new host is not as effortless as they make it look. And, yeah. and, and yet she was making it all easier. She was making that whole process work. And you could just see it behind the scenes like, oh, she's got this. She's a pro. She's, she's going to be the show is going to be in really good hands with her. And so like, feeling that on the inside was sort of uh, really, really reassuring. One ask about your game in a second, but the other thing that strikes me is, so if they're doing five a day, like, are you in the audience? Like, are they saying, Hey, we're going to tape you. You're going at three 30. So do you sit in the audience? They're like, all right, it's your turn. And you go up and do it. Like, how, how's that work? We are the, during COVID contestants are the audience. So oh, like okay. no one else is allowed in the set. So, um, so as you hear us all applauding for Matt getting yet another daily double, we're all thinking, yeah. oh man, that's me next. Um, uh, but at the same time, we also they also randomize it. So you don't know when you're going up. So they just, they get us all in the audience and then they call up two people for the first game. And then you don't know if you're going oh. up next game, third game, wow. fourth game or fifth game. So it was, um, uh, it, it's a really, it's again, it's a great experience to be there and support each other. It's a, it's a bit of a interesting situation when you got Matt Amodio up there, who is clearly like one game after another, just kind of running through uh, his fellow contestants and thinking, all right, keep clapping. This is great. <laughs> yeah. And when am I going? Uh, so, but, but at the same time, very exciting. I'm, I'm not going to downplay that. I was still really excited to be on stage. Well, and, and in case you don't know, um, you know, Matt Amodio, he won 38 in a row. 
he finally lost on Monday. And I, and yeah. I got to be honest, I didn't see it live. I was getting text alerts. I was getting texts. The yeah. dispatch air was like, oh, my gosh, Matt Modia lost. We got to do something. It was almost like breaking news, breaking news, because, <laughs> you know, he went to Ohio State, too. I don't think he went at the same time. He's a little bit younger, right? He's a little bit younger. Yeah, we, we actually talked a little bit on set about when he was there. I don't remember what year he graduated, but I think we probably – he might have started right around – right right after the time I was there. So we didn't really overlap, but we're not, we're not, we're not too far apart. Being from Ohio, was it like, wow, we're, we're, we're this Ohio matchup? Like, did you <laughs> expect, like, Ohio to be going crazy when they saw this? Like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I got to say, every time I encounter someone doing something pretty amazing and I'm and – I'm, got my own Ohio cred on me, I find yeah. out, oh yeah, they have a connection to Ohio. And, and so I'm just okay. kind of used to this phenomenon. If I get to some echelon of achievement where I'm like, I'm doing really well, this is awesome. And I find someone else who's doing really well, awesome. I'm like, oh, oh, you're from, you're from Olentangy. Okay, awesome. I should have figured. Um, so there's, okay. I just feel like I get to these places and always find Ohioans. I mean, we got excited to dispatch going, wow, you know, we're writing about Mad Modio, but now there's another Central Ohio guy on. So yeah. it was exciting to see two of the three from Ohio. So, Okay, you tape this in August. I think Matt maybe have won, I don't know if I remember, maybe 20, 25 at the time. Did you know him before you got in? Were you like, oh, man, I might be going up against Matt Modio? Or did you kind of see as you were watching him just beat up everybody that was I on mean, there? I'd heard, I'd heard about him. And I actually, because there had been like the summer break, I hadn't actually caught up at the end of the last season. Yeah. That was right around the time we were, you know, raising a child. So uh, going in, I'm like, oh, there's a guy who was winning. And it only took like walking in the space and have two or three other contestants go and they look over and then you just see their faces fall. And you're like, oh, oh he's, man, <laughs> oh, he's still here. He's still here. Because uh, we also didn't know where we were in filming at that point, like how many more yeah. have won. But then the first the first game that goes up, they tell you, you know, part of the announcements is he's won 33 games. Here's his winnings. You're like, all right, that's where we are. Um, and so we all got that sort of that update on uh, going up for our first show and watching it and thinking, all right, well, let's just see how long it, it continues. And he would go into Final Jeopardy often. You know, sometimes they say, well, it's kind of a blowout because, you know, he somebody has twice as much money. But Matt would go into, you know, Final Jeopardy with 50 times as much money and everything. It was like, this is crazy. Yeah. Um, so like you said, so the reaction in watching that, I mean, I'm sure he's a nice guy. I'm not saying criticize him, but you had to be like, maybe your dreams of going far in Jeopardy were like, oh no. I mean, what was that feeling like? I, no, I went up on stage just going, all right, let's just, I'm just going to play the, the best game I can play. But I had no illusions that I was going to be the one to uh, to dethrone the Kings. It just felt very like, and, and to be again, to be honest, like it's been, a, it's been a busy year for me. I've had a couple oh, yeah. of things on the fire and I hadn't been, um, you know, I hadn't, I tried to do a little bit of beefing up of trivia in the week when I knew I was going, but I'm like, I'm, I'm just going to go and give it my best to go up against Matt, who he, it's, it's a way of life for him. It's, it's, it's oh, a, yeah. a practice. It's a training. And, and I know from being on who, uh, who teaches and who also has engaged in some practice, like, Oh, I am not even close to being ready. And that's okay. So I really wanted for myself to focus on going up and playing a good game and having a good time um, and, and, and getting to meet Matt um, and Maddie and Mayim and just have a, enjoy it for what it was because I, I, yeah, I had no illusions, but I also didn't, uh, that also let me kind of let go of any despair or hopelessness. Yeah. I'm like, 
let's just do this because this is what it's going to be what it's going to be. <laughs> so you kind of felt like almost like David against Goliath underdog type thing. Like where you're like, oh man, if I could win this, this would be crazy. Yeah. Yeah. If it happens, that would be amazing. But uh, right. again, I'm, I'm not even as well versed in uh, the slingshot as David. So I, I'd have a little bit of trouble on that one, I think. But I, I, it, w- it was very much a feeling of, um, of thinking, you know, there's always the chance. You, we, you yeah. never know what could happen. Maybe my timing would be a split second better on a few key questions. Maybe I'll find a daily double that he won't. Um, it, none of that actually worked out. But the, the if, if I go in thinking, oh, I'm, I'm, this is never going to work, I'm, I might as well just give up on all my life dreams right now, it's going to be a bad game regardless. So um, definitely just trying to focus on what I could enjoy about it, and I, I had a great time. Yeah, you won money. You finished second that um, game, but... What's it like when you keep looking over and he's hitting the button? I mean, did you look over like, what the heck? What's going on here? I was really trying to focus. The the biggest thing that I was learning through trying to buzz was it's really about timing it exactly to when the host finishes the question. And I had never developed that as a skill. I'd heard about it and I'd been like, ah, at home, it's really easy. Just go, oh, I'll I'll fake some buzzing. But uh, there are people who really get that down. And I I learned very quickly that I was not nearly as well-timed as I thought. so I, don't, I had no time to focus on like, is he getting in? I'm just literally watching my own row of lights thinking if it lights up, I have a chance to answer this. Okay. Uh, and so there were times when it was like, oh, I did it. And so now I got to get my answer ready. Um, yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, if it wasn't happening and I, I heard them say, Matt, I'm like, all right, okay, cool. You got that one. Got to focus on the next one. Cause the game does move really fast. And that's oh, the thing. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't, if you don't kind of clear your mind and just get ready for the next clue, um, that can lead to some big trouble. So uh, again, there was a way that once we were playing, I wasn't too worried about him because it was it was just I gotta get my own timing down and hope I can get the answer. And if I do get a chance, oh yeah, was it shocking to see somebody won? Because I remember telling people from time to time, going, "Oh my gosh, this guy's never going to lose." Yeah, I, that's what I thought. He, it seemed like he was so well calibrated to the game um, and and, yeah. and just really in tune with it. I was I was very surprised that it, it happened also so soon. After I had been uh, after my episode had aired, just because at the time it just you know he was in oh, yeah. a peak form that could not be d- d- taken out. Uh, but again, you know, reading his interviews on, on after he left and just saying, you know, there are there are bad days, and if you start missing some of that timing, if you start losing that groove, like anything else, once you fall off that wave, you can uh, you can have trouble just like the rest of us. So, um, well, I get like that. you said, everyone there has some measure of knowledge. I mean, you know, yeah. Kind of like the NFL, any given Sunday, I guess somebody could be another team. So, yeah, very good. And, and the other thing I thought was interesting, too, obviously, he can't share how he did. Like, he can't say, uh oh, I'm going to lose tonight. Did they tell you the same thing? Yeah, yeah. We okay. got to keep it under wraps. Um, and there's like a process by which we can talk about it. So, it's like really not even telling about the air date up until a certain point, just because. Uh, you want to keep things pretty airtight. You don't want to like yeah. leak out by any like slip of the tongue that, oh yeah, on October 7th, I was still playing Matamodio because if it's, you know, October 1st, you want to have that illusion. Maybe someone in between beat him. But uh, so there's a lot of keeping it um, really close to this. I, I, I let my family know just so they yeah. could, they could understand what was uh, that, that, that I had done it and that I would be appearing on the show. Right. Um but other than that, I kept it really close. What's the penalty? Like, what if you just came out and said, holy crap, I'm up against Matt Modio early. Like, do they sue you? I mean, what's the penalty if you break that? I, mean, there's, I think there's some a couple of, of breach of contract things. I'm, I'm okay. not sure. I, there's a lot of the fine print that is pretty typical of just basically these are NDAs and, and holding the, the, the respecting the show. But also a lot of people get on Jeopardy 
we're already, we're there because we're already part of the culture. So I think for most of us, it's just, oh yeah, I'm part of the, part of the team now. This is absolutely safe with me. Um, and so there was a lot of just kind of this reminder of you're all representing Jeopardy. We're all part of this together um, and make sure everyone gets a fair shot at this, including the viewing public who, who loves this aspect of each night having the suspension oh, yeah. um, part of, of why we watch. So I, you know, I got to say, I, it was so far from my mind at every point that I'm, I haven't really looked into how much legal damage I could be in. I, right. it's not, <laughs> but it's you don't want to be even if it wasn't around a guy who won a ton of games, you don't want to be that guy who's like spreading, hey, you know, I yeah. mean, you'd be reviled in the Jeopardy community. I mean, you'd be the uh, the evil person in Jeopardy, which wouldn't be good. Yeah. Um, very good. And, uh, um, oh, I was going to ask you, I don't know if you saw this on Twitter. It was funny. Did you see that your Jeopardy answer got some Twitter buzz? Because oh. uh, I can't remember what the question was, but the answer was biathlon. Yeah. And I think you had an extra A in the way you spelled that. So they said, that's incorrect. And my goodness, I, I, I wouldn't say it was like a Twitter firestorm, but there's a lot of people going, man, this guy got a raw deal. Did you... Did you yeah. understand that? Were you like, oh, what happened here? See, this is and this is the part I love is because they, they were advertising me on Jeopardy as a voice and speech coach. I do a lot of work with um, speech, human speech and accents. Yeah. And uh, I'm from central Ohio. And everyone I know in central Ohio is going to have a certain way of dealing with the L in biathlon where they're yeah. going to make it into a syllable. And I do it. Almost everyone I know does it. There's going to be a lot of Americans who are going to say biathlon with that yeah. L being a thing. And they're going to think that's a, that is naturally biathlon, a four-syllable word. Naturally, uh, but dictionary form, three syllables and no extra A. And the reason my spelling got discounted is because it created an extra syllable. That's, that's the rules of Jeopardy. If you change the way the word is pronounced with your spelling, that is counted as wrong. Uh, so I didn't have the, the gall at the time to, um, to bring up some sort of like sociolinguistic survey or mention that, you know, I bet if you quizzed Ohioans, they disagree with you. Because in the end, I was going to be second place and right. I'm fine with that. Uh, but yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I didn't, I never popped up my feed. So I'd be happy to try to, to find it. But I do know that I had a bunch of Ohioans texting me being like, how was that wrong? What happened? Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause that's so far from our actual experience of that word. And I think it would have been different. Like if, let's say you have won the match, if they yeah. said that maybe it'd been a firestorm. I mean, it wasn't like Twitter blew up or it wasn't like they were marching on Jeopardy going, let's redo this. But yeah, there was about 10, 20 people kind of questioning it. And yeah, I thought it was interesting. I never heard that before, how, you know, technically if it's an extra syllable, technically it's wrong then. Because I think they were saying it was kind of like a misspelling. Which... If, if a misspelling leads to an, ex the, the, the rules around spelling are really specific. If it leads to the possibility that the word could be mispronounced uh, okay. with an extra syllable, that will then count as an incorrect spelling. Uh, but okay. if it's, you know, you can't mistake the word or it still has the same, you know, uh, the, the example, I, there was a the very, very kind guy on Monday who spelled Machiavelli and it was not even really, it, it was missing a, like a C and had maybe an extra H in there, but there was no misinterpreting it and it didn't really change the way it would be said. So that yeah. was, an instance, yeah, that's, that makes perfect sense. But squeaking by with biathlon, that one felt a little bit like, Ooh, yeah, that one, that one will bite you uh, in a way that I did not foresee. Yeah. It sounds like they just have an issue with Ohio. I, I, I yes. feel attacked. Ohio gets the world. <laughs> They were, they were just venting their anger about Matt on me. I know. I get it. I can see it in their <laughs> eyes. It's okay. Well, well, people were upset. Like, Matt, I guess, the night he lost, missed a final Jeopardy. Like, how could Matt miss that? What's going on? And, uh, man, the Jeopardy conspiracy theory community. You think that it's only in politics, but, man, 
the Jeopardy conspiracy theory can be, might be worse than everybody. It, it was yeah. because so. so many smart people putting together clues. It's yeah, it, they can form some some fairly complex <laughs> theories. Well, and that had to be exciting for your family. I mean, yeah, you were on you're on shows that people like. Did you get more response from your appearance in Jeopardy than some of the other stuff you've done? Or absolutely, absolutely, okay. I think because Jeopardy. Acting gigs out here, you're going to find your way onto some stuff. And I can say, oh, I was on Lucifer, and uh, people who do watch Lucifer, that's exciting. People who watch Pain Dreadful, that's exciting. But some people are like, I never heard of that show. I don't know what it is. But like everybody knows Jeopardy. Oh, yeah. Everybody knows like the type of people who end up on Jeopardy. Uh, and people who know anything about how you get onto Jeopardy, it's not easy. Um, so it definitely kind of has that immediate cachet of like, oh, you're you're good at something. You're like, you're really good at it. Oh, cool. Okay. So that gets that sort of recognition that I think is. Um, and absolutely deserve it for every Jeopardy contestant because it is hard. They do work hard to get there, and um, they're they're a good lot. They're they're a bunch of good eggs. So I'm 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 happy to be in amongst their number. So if you could do another game show, do you have like an idea like what's next if you're trying a game show? My wife is telling me the next thing I have to try to get on at some point would be uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire because oh, she thinks okay. it's so much easier and I could kill it. And I and I okay. And then, then the money is a lot better, a lot faster, and you get to keep whatever you you earned. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking, oh, okay, okay, we, we'll see if there's ever an opportunity for something like that. But just stay away from the reality shows. I wasted the summer watching Big Brother. I it's my guilty pleasure. <laughs> Every year, I'm like, I cannot watch that, but I go back to it, and it's probably tempting, right? The house is in the city you live at in LA, so you're probably like, hey, why not? But yeah, just. Shy away if you can help it. So. I don't think I don't think I'm exciting oh. enough. I'm way too boring for reality TV. Oh. You should like go for like the, was that the chase where like all those former Jeopardy champions are now oh, like yeah. the the chasers that you have to beat and yeah my my mother in law watches that and she really likes it and I I think I might want to keep trying or I might do some investigation to that but uh, technically I'm, I'm there's no game shows for me for another six months after air date so I'm going to take a break oh. and, and wow. just uh, okay. put myself enjoy a, a, a respite from the trivia for a bit. Wow. Wow. That's <laughs> interesting. So a little bit of a non-compete then saying, Hey, you know, shall we? Yeah. I think it's, it's been, and you can see it. I mean, from the way that this, that uh, any oh, individual yeah. contestant gets promoted, like I'm, I'm being promoted in Columbus and in, in uh, uh, LA and in Madeira where my wife's family is. So it's this chance to like, you saw a lot of me. We don't want to lose that, some of that sheen. So I think I'd rather wait until even oh, I get okay. a little bit more of a bump from trying something else. Very good. Well, anything else you want to share, Tyler? Thanks so much for going on. Is there something we forgot to ask you or something you want to share? No, I'm, 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 I'm just grateful for you having me. And uh, I'm uh, glad that we get to have this little focus on Ohio from, uh, from two local boys giving it a try on Jeopardy. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, we were excited to dispatch. I think like 10 TV got really excited too. And it was just like, it, it was amazing. And then the biathlon controversy, I'll tell you, I mean, uh, you're, that, you're that, that's, that's, bring some attention to our Ohio pronunciations. That's all I ask. Just make sure that we, we feel that this it is it is true, it is just, it is right the way we say those words, and no one can tell us otherwise. <laughs> Not even my belt. Well, and to your credit, that, and, and Jeopardy may have loved it, but to your credit, you didn't like protest or wave your fists as the camera was going off, going, yeah. Give me justice. You were cool about it. So all right, sorry, Paul, I interrupted you. Uh, now living in Pittsburgh, is that why you don't see many people with thick Pittsburgh accents on Jeopardy because oh, yeah. be what, what they would say and what the actual pronunciation is. I mean, the, there's a huge gulf between those. <laughs> I got to wonder, cause actually now that I think about it, the number of times I've watched Jeopardy and seen like an identifiable regional accent 
it's not that much. So I, I'm now kind of like, well, I want to do a statistical study of like, okay, wait, 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 how many accents yeah. do we hear? Because that might impact um, perception and, and maybe even the final Jeopardy answers. So uh, that, that'd be a, you know, for that academic research project, I will never get around to creating, but maybe, maybe. I don't think Jeopardy would recognize yins as a proper answer to a question. <laughs> right. right. It could be kind of tough. Well, Tyler, thanks so much for your time. Uh, we're going to wrap up after here. So uh, thanks for checking out the Ohioan. Um, hey, if you're new to the Ohioan, we, we think we might have some uh, new listeners. Subscribe and share us with your friends. Thanks so much, everyone. Have a great day. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer. You know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was look, looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high-impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope. To learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.